podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mm, folks, mm. as I sit here slamming Papa John's and uh, drunk as hell, the only thing I can think of is betonline.ag. Guys, football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. You could have been on some serious action this Sunday uh, if you bet on the Jets. I almost bet on the money line, plus 330 on the L.A. Rams, and I'm glad I didn't live betting in the second half. I would have lost some money. But hey, Bet Online, they're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player coaching props, live in game betting. Bet Online gives you more options to wager <clears throat> than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Capital Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. After I've spent a long day betting, um, there's really only one thing that I want to do, and that's shave my ass and my dick and balls. Um, I'm really contemplating getting another slice of pizza during this ad read, but I'm going to I'm going to hold off for you guys because I know, even though I know that's what people love is when people eat on mic. That's like what makes a podcast successful. I'm going to hold off, um, folks. Manscaped.com is is easily our my favorite sponsor that we've ever had. Not only because they have great products, but because they sent me a bunch of free shit. Almost all of their products they've sent me have been for free. And guess what? I would have paid for them because they're so elite. Come out of quarantine, guys, with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. And, I mean, yeah, your two best friends. I guess that's your balls. Um... The third-generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow-up you need in 2021. I just used it. I just used it. The light is awesome. It's an LED light. makes you lights up all the nicks and crannies, nooks and crannies, so that you can get every last hair. It's very nice. Um, it's time to freshen up down there this new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why aren't you putting deodorant um, on the smelliest part of your body? The smelliest part of my body is not my balls. It's my asshole. But, um, and my armpits are smellier than my balls. So, just saying. Uh, for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop the crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. It's true. 2020 has been awful, so make sure your boys are f- uh, refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in their Shed Travel Bag, which is an elite uh, travel bag. I like it. I use it when I actually travel. It's awesome. I've got two of them. Hit me up, and I'll give you my second one. But uh, you can't DM me on Twitter because I'm dead. Um, And the best product I think that Manscaped has is their anti-chafing boxer briefs. They're so comfortable. I really would strongly advise getting them. Folks, a guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. Get 20% off free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you, folks. Do it. Let's start the show with John Kurtz. It's a John Kurtz ass podcast, baby. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town. Basketball's coming to town. Basketball is I come in to 
checking the list, Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Bosco boys are coming to town. Bosco boys are coming to town. Bosco boys are coming to town. Boys are back, and it's a John Kurtz ass show today. Um, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Not as great as you and your uh, your little lavender cat's headset that you have on right now. Those hipster ass glasses you have. You're, you're outdoing me right now. Yes, I am. I think this is designed for girls. This headset, but it was only like thirty dollars, and I thought it looked pretty clean, and I needed a headset that plugged in. So I went ahead and went with it. I like it. Um, no worries. You just do you. So, cats, should we just jump into it? Or we're sitting here on Sunday. Chiefs are about to play. You know, I just ate a giant thing of uh, extremely hot pad thai. So, I think we need to get this going because <laughs> I could be struggling here shortly. But let's jump into some hoops. Uh, we'll keep it light on the hoops and then we'll talk a little bit about some football. Um, Yesterday, Saturday, Cats lose 169 to Baylor, fall to three and five, and one to one in the conference. Anything at all that you want to comment on about Saturday's game? Or should we just well, forget it didn't happen? Yeah, I mean, like in the interest of uh, full disclosure here. So I have not had a chance to like sit down and watch the entire game yet. Um, I was at Great Mason Post wedding uh, yesterday. What? With Mitch wow. Congrats, Mason. Yeah. So, uh, that was good. We had the game kind of going in the background, but Mitch and I were like the pseudo DJs of this thing. So I'm going to pay attention to which uh, wedding banger I was playing. And to be honest, once I saw, you know, it was like, you look up and it's like, all right, well, it's like nine to two. And then you look up and it's like, you know, 26 to seven. And it's like, okay, how much attention am I going to pay to this the rest of the way? But the one thing I will say is every time I looked up, it was like, dude, Baylor just looks bigger, faster, stronger, better. Like just uh, all across the board, looked like a team of men against a team against uh, a team of boys, um, which it's not entirely surprising. They're a really good team, um, and and I think you know they're still positive to take from the week, obviously with beating Iowa State and the fact that Iowa State, I mean, should have beat West Virginia. They they really uh, peed down their leg at the end of that game to to blow it, but. Um, you know, we'll see. I think I feel better about things than I did, obviously, after Fort Hay State still, even after the Baylor game. But, man, this team just can't play defense. I mean, they just can't guard anybody. So it's going to be a struggle against a, a, probably a lot of teams in the Big 12 because the problem is, in addition to Baylor, you got West Virginia, Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas. I mean, there, there are going to be a lot of really tough games. But we'll see. I'm keeping an open mind on things, especially after how they looked against Iowa State. But yeah, man, ran into a buzzsaw with my guy, Scott Drew, who I will remind all of you, uh, you know, too many of you have said he sucks for a long time, which was such a terrible take. Uh, a guy that's been to two elite eights uh, with a team that couldn't even play a full schedule when he took over because they're mired in so much scandal. So if K-State is going to get destroyed like that, at least it's at the hands of my guy, Scott Drew. Yeah, I mean, I would have just accepted a, a simple no. We don't have to talk about this game, but yeah, I mean, it, there's no shame in getting 
absolutely obliterated by that Baylor team. They're really, really good. Um, and we're, we're not so good. I mean, we're off to a rocky start. What is your mind, you know, set right now regarding the direction of the basketball program? Obviously, I don't know if we really have corrected course as much as I would like to, you know, hope that we have. I think the Baylor game came at a, an unfortunate time. Um, you know, we had the, the lowest of the low, Fort Hayes Day's loss, just getting absolutely blitzed by a winless D2 team without a coach. And then, you know, we turned around, we went two games. So let's cut the Baylor game out. We were going to lose that anyways. How do you feel going forward after eight games? And the unfortunate part about the Baylor game is that uh, if that would have just not happened, which at the beginning of the week, Bruce Weber was talking like it was not going to happen, uh, then you'd have two games – uh, they're, they're two bad teams. I think Jacksonville's one of them. What is Omaha? The other one, maybe I don't, it's a couple easy games coming up and then your big 12, uh, next big 12 game after that is against TCU, which is a pretty winnable game. I mean, they could have really built some momentum and you would have been feeling good about it. But I mean, I think in general, like, uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm somebody that's been much more open to Bruce Weber than it seems like a lot of the fan base has been over the last four or five years after I was pretty anti-Bruce at first. So I've been on all sides of this thing. Um, I, I think in general, I am disappointed by where things have been at this year. I think what is disappointing to me is not this freshman class. Like I think, I, I mean, I've seen enough flashes of things from Davion Bradford and Nigel Pack and Selton Miguel um, and even like Rudy Williams, if you want to throw him in this too, like the newcomers that they brought in this year that I, it seems like a pretty good recruiting class. That seems like a legitimate, if you can stack a couple of those classes together, like you, you can really have something here. The problem is, um, and I don't know what Dejuan Gordon did against Baylor. I haven't looked at his stat line specifically, but, but that sophomore class is just really disappointing right now. Like I, I mean, Montavious Murphy is is turning into like Malik Knowles levels of he can't ever stay healthy. Um, whatever it is, if it's a pain management thing, which is what I've been led to believe. I mean, <clears throat> if he can't be out there on the floor, he's obviously not giving you anything. I think Antonio Gordon, I do know that he balled out against Baylor, but um, you know, I think he's got the most limited ceiling out of those three. And Dejuan is, you know, brings a lot of effort. I think he can be a really nice, like kind of glue guy right now, but I, I don't know that I see his shot being good enough for him to eventually be an offensive threat and, and his basketball IQ still needs a long ways, uh, still has a long ways to go. So I just, if you take that sophomore class, which is very spotty right now, and then throw it with the previous two classes, which were pretty much nothing. I mean, you're getting pretty much nothing out of those two classes. It's hard for me to sit here and say, I feel great about where this is going and, and the chances of this really succeeding. If you're talking about like two and a half to three full recruiting classes of being pretty much a black hole right now. And then what's, you know, a lot of this is going to hinge on what happens in the next recruiting class after, you know, Nigel Davion and all these guys this year. So there's just, there's a ton of question marks. I mean, I'm not somebody that's out here saying, you know, fire Bruce Weber tomorrow, but I think there's plenty of doubt about where this is actually headed. The one, the one thing I will say, I don't, you know, to everybody, I hate to break it to the anti-Bruce crowd out there, but I, I, I would be absolutely stunned if he were shot, uh, if he were fired before the end of the season, for sure. Um, I don't think they're going to do Bruce Weber dirty. I think, you know, he's someone they feel like has done a lot of good for the program and done it the right way. And I would still be pretty damn surprised if he got fired at the end of the year. The fact that there's a $2 million buyout in a pandemic just two years removed from the Big 12 championship. And we are starting to see some signs of life from this, this recruiting class. So 
I mean, not what you want to hear, but that I think is kind of the state of the union right now and where basketball is. He ain't getting fired at all after this year. That's my take. Um, I agree with you in that, you know, I think we have some nice players in the squad to build upon. So I have to ask you, who are your guys? Man, well, I haven't slapped anybody with like the official uh, my guy tag, I think, which most of the listeners to the radio show would tell you is a bad thing if if I do that. But, um, you know, I really – I mean, Selton Miguel was, was the one that I was the most excited about coming in. But I'll be honest, after watching them now for – and maybe this is some recency bias because the last two games I saw were Davion Bradford being awesome. But, like, I mean, my God, when was the last time we saw a, a K-State big um, – I guess not named Dean Wade, you know. If it's Sometimes it's weird whether or not you consider him a big, but you probably should. But outside of Dean, I mean, in the last – five years like how many bigs completely have you different style of player I mean right I, I know where you're going and I agree right it's like when have you seen somebody with like that kind of potential like that kind of skill and hands you know I mean I I always thought Matt got a bad rap um during the Big 12 championship season because I think he did a lot of good things defensively that people didn't give him credit for but you know he did not have hands he did not have the skill that Davion clearly does offensively and then you know I mean, we just have a laundry list of James Love, Nigel Shad, Levi Stockard, like frustrating bigs that didn't flash any kind of potential anywhere close to what, what Bradford has. So honestly, like the thought of, I know D.Y. Derek's compared him to like Kevin Samuel at TCU before, where if he's just going to be a dunk machine that can kind of stand there and get in the way, hopefully be a rim protector eventually on defense and just defense and dunks and just lob it to him or, or like, you know, I mean, Dejuan compared him to uh, Yudoka as a bouquet where okay, you could just lob it up to him. Like that is really exciting and it's hard not to be infatuated with that so I'd say right now my answer is uh I really like Davion Bradford I agree I think you know obviously another obvious answer is Nigel Pack I mean he looks like a guy that could grow into like a genuine four-year starter first second team all big 12 type of player um but Bradford excites me you know it has been a long time since we've had a big guy that will use his body in his game you know Dean Dean was a big guy, obviously, 6'9", 6'10", but, you know, he loved to be on the perimeter and he liked a mid-range type of game. But uh, it's exciting. He's got soft hands. I like the way that he can get up and down the floor. Um, yeah, I think he has a lot of potential defensively. So after eight games so far, what you've seen from our freshmen and our, you know, albeit the spotty sophomore class, which could potentially, you know, they could take a jump, a positive jump as juniors and seniors. Do you think this group – has what it takes possibly to grow into a Big 12 championship contender in two to three years? I think uh, for a Big 12 championship contender, for me to feel good about that, I, I need to know what this next recruiting class is going to be to go with them. Um, I, I think, again, there are just too many question marks for me to feel really good about that. You know, the other thing with like the Dean Barry and Cam comparison is that when they were – playing their freshman year um I mean first of all they showed flashes up like it's easy to forget how much they they really flashed as a group because he, even early on I mean they almost beat North Carolina at Sprint Center they had them down I think at the under the last under four um and they had that Georgia game where like Dean hits a game-winning shot and I know Georgia's not like a great team um but they they showed you some things they beat the number one team in the country that year Oklahoma um and but the thing that they had is they had Wesley Awundu and DJ Johnson on that team, like a couple of veterans and a couple of guys who were pretty good that this team is just really missing. And so I just wonder about, you know, they, they, it's not, it is not a totally similar situation. I think this one is going to be a more uphill climb for them. So 
I wouldn't feel confident in saying I think right now that they're going to be a Big 12 championship contending group. Um, I think if Bruce can add another class like what they have right now onto um, what they have going on, what this most recent was, then I, I would start to entertain the idea. But I don't think I can go there right now. Yeah, I mean, our veteran at the moment is Mike McGurl, and he's a fine player, but he leaves you wanting, no doubt about it. Let's jump into football a little bit. So there was chatter for a while about a bowl game, but we ultimately, you know, we decided to decline the bowl bid. Do you think that was the right move? You know, walk me through the pros and cons of this decision from, from your perspective. Yeah, so I will stand by, like, I, I felt like that was the best case scenario the way that it worked out because they still got some bowl practices in I think Chris Kleiman said it was only really like four or five but they were all specifically tailored to young guys they were letting the older guys get a break and anybody that had injuries you know getting a rest but they got some development time out of that and now you don't have to go to a bowl where potentially you're going to get beat take another loss force the players to just continue to grind and continue to get tested and continue to not be able to go do the things they want to do with their friends. And most importantly, their families, right? Because the games that they were looking at were both on December 26th. So now you're talking about missing Christmas with your families when these guys, you know, I mean, they've been doing this for so long without the typical college experience. You just really feel for them and all the guys that are out here from Georgia and Texas and whatever, like, go home, spend time with your families and give you an extra couple of weeks to get some of these guys. If they were going to have surgery, you can go ahead and have the surgery now, as opposed to waiting another couple of weeks. And you may think, well, what does that really matter in the long run? Well, I mean, about three months out probably from spring ball, um, something like that. I don't know what they'll determine as far as an official timetable on that, but you know, that can make a, a difference in terms of missing a week or two of spring football practice. I'd rather just cut bait on this thing. Look, I mean, I know as fans, I don't think anybody was really excited about watching this team play another game. The roster was going to be really in shambles. We've already seen a couple guys. Wyatt Hubert wasn't going to play. Briley Moore wasn't going to play. Um, I just – I had no interest in seeing that team go out there and play this year. I think the, the one thing is, hey, you'd love to have those extra practices. Okay, sure. Um, but you still got some, and I just don't know that the team needed to tack on another loss to what's already been such a taxing season. I think one thing I did hear that I will say would have been potentially an advantage to playing a bowl game um, was this idea that, hey, you know, a lot of guys have left and transferred and they continue to, I think, in some ways feel like they're cutting some dead weight or just guys that were problems and bringing them down. So I think the feel was with those practices, they had a renewed energy in the locker room and like a renewed sense of, Hey, everybody here is pulling the same way. We're all on the same team. Um, and to cut that short, you know, maybe there's an argument there that, Hey, if you let that attitude and environment continue to develop here over the next couple of weeks, that would have done you some good in the long run. But frankly, I just, I don't think that the the pros outweigh the cons in this thing. So I'm, I'm happy the way that it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, I totally understand why we declined, and I do. I would say I'd agree. I agree. I would agree with the decision at this point. As a fan, I was kind of, I was kind of torn both both ways. I, you know, I wanted to watch this play again. I wanted to see Deuce Vaughn play again badly, um, squ squeeze one more game out of the season um, that I didn't think we were going to get. And rumors were that it could have been against Penn State, which would have been cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, looking on looking at the the decision as a whole now we probably would have lost and <laughs> I don't want to be four and seven losing six straight and just ending on another damper so probably fine um 
So this was pretty much a foregone conclusion to most of us, but Hubert has declared for the draft. How will you remember Hubert's time at K-State? Yeah, man, he was a stud. I mean, like the the only unanimous first team all Big 12 pick on, on the defense. And that's after like, I can remember being pretty frustrated with him through a couple of games this year, even the Oklahoma game. Um, because he had some moments where it felt like he was just all about the pass rush, selling out for that, not paying much attention to the run game. And, you know, he had his moments of being fairly undisciplined. But, like, you know, the legacy is he, he's one of the better uh, pass rushers that have ever come out of this school. Um, and he did it as a local guy, you know, being a Shawnee Heights kid from Topeka. Like, I can remember watching him play against Manhattan High. So I've kind of had a, a front row seat to his development um, from day one. And, coming in as just a skinny dude that put on a bunch of weight and turned into uh, an absolute beast with those, those tremendous locks that he has that uh, really add to the allure of being a great pass rusher like him. So uh, wish him the best. Obviously I think, I think it was the right move for him to go ahead and go um, for, for a bunch of different reasons. You know, I mean, I think he's ready. He won. Um, and I, I think the timing, you know, the pandemic, um, I, I'm sure this year was just not that much fun for him and he just wants to move on. He also has a degree. Um, I believe. So I think that that obviously makes a big difference too. So makes all the sense in the world. Best of luck to him. I don't know, like, I'd have to go look and run some of the numbers and think about like, okay, where does he rank like in terms of all time pass rushers at K-State? I mean, you know, like even like Ryan Mueller was the Big 12 defensive lineman of the year at one point in the Big 12. I think Meshack Williams was also. So like K-State's had some guys that have hit some pretty high heights there, even in recent memory, like Snyder 2.0 and on. But I mean, he belongs in the conversation um, from what he was able to do from the time he was young to what he turned into at the end. Uh, he was definitely a problem. Always a stand-up guy. Was fun to talk to in interviews. Um, not just because, you know, he was a good dude about it, but, you know, he'd, he'd, talk, a little, he'd talk a little smack. I'll never forget, uh, actually, what I'll remember him by was the Oklahoma game last year when he, he, was, he was really running his mouth after the Oklahoma game about how, you know, those guys – didn't give them a chance and kind of rolled in thinking that they were just going to get K-State's ass. I don't remember the specific comments, but that was my, that's my favorite white Hubert, Hubert uh, memory there. He, you know, sometimes I'll even say this, like sometimes he would say stuff like leading up to a game where I probably shouldn't even admit this, but like you hear it and you're like, okay, I know that he doesn't mean that to be like offensive to the opponent, but if I were to take that and just tweet it, as is like with no context that would wind up on somebody's bolton board and so sometimes i'd be like ah, i'm just gonna pass on like tweeting out that specific quote um but it was funny because you knew you knew the intention um always a good dude so i'll, I'll remember him uh, i'll remember him very fondly i saw him on the field uh, after the oklahoma game and he just yelled bosco at me so oh really me. he's a good dude um how do, do you think he'll make a splash in the nfl I think like I see him as just being a, a guy that will have a solid career, right? Like so Jordan Willis, you know, has, has just forged a career in the NFL. He's not a star. Um, he's bounced around a little bit. You know, I think Wyatt Hubert can have a, a kind of career like that. Like if we're talking about impacts that they had on the field by the end of their careers, I would think like Jordan Willis and Wyatt Hubert are fairly similar mm -hmm. in that regard. So some of it will depend on situation, you know, like where you wind up. Um, I don't think Jordan Willis really landed in like the greatest situation in the world uh, being drafted by the Bengals. So um, he's played for the Jets too, right? I mean, some of that's been pretty rough. So I think some of it will depend on situation, but I think he's a guy that will stick around for the, for at least four, five, six years and, and have a nice career and make a lot of money in the NFL.
How do you feel about our ability to replace his production going forward? I mean, that's a good question, but I think they, I mean, the good news is that they have some depth there. Um, I, I mean, I, if we're going to lose a star on, in any position, I feel like this is the one to do it. Yeah. Right. Like I, and I love Khalid Duke. Like I, I still think that he can become a star. Um, I think his ability is clearly there. I think it's a matter of consistency with him. Um, so I really like him is coming back. Do we know? Uh, that he you know, I've, I've not heard for sure, but I, I would think he would be back, but I don't know that for sure. But if you have him back and you can throw Khalid Duke and boom, Massey yeah. the way that he played this year. And like, you know, I know they feel really good about like Andrew DK, um, <clears throat> behind him there at, at defensive end also. Um, I, I think they're going to be all right. At, uh, I don't worry about it a ton. Like, obviously, you'd love to have him. He's an impact player. But I think they have another guy who can be an impact player, and I think they have a lot of pieces that can be pretty nice depth behind him. In other major news today, Sunday, Skylar Thompson just announced he's officially returning next season. I mean, we all knew this, but how big is that for the program? I think it is very big, and I would not have said that <clears throat> you know, a couple of months ago when he first got hurt, I just think the circumstances changed so much because at first one, Will Howard was still winning games and you're just thinking, all right, like, you know, Rubley's coming in next year, Howard, like as long as it's a decent end of the season and you're really competing for a big 12 championship game appearance, which is what it looked like was going to happen. Then it's, it's probably best <clears throat> to just cut bait and move on. But excuse me, man, I'm losing it here. <clears throat> But um, the way the season wound out with all these losses and Howard, I mean, really struggling at points, just really, really struggling. And all the transfers and some of the questions here about locker room culture and leadership and what's going on, like that just upped the ante a bunch. Like not only do you need a quarterback to come in and, and bridge the gap between Skyler and whatever it's going to be, Rubley or Howard moving forward, but you also just need stability. <laughs> like you need stability and leadership and – and Skylar definitely brings both of those. Like, you, you know what you're going to get. Is he the highest ceiling guy in the world? No. Um, is he going to be a first-team All-Big 12 quarterback? I don't think so. Um, it, does Jake Rubley have a higher ceiling? Yeah, I do think that Jake Rubley has a higher ceiling. But th this program desperately needs to know what they're going to get at the quarterback position and not have somebody that's just going to be a black hole of turnovers. I mean, and that's what Skylar was doing so well at the end. Uh, before he got hurt was taking care of the ball didn't have a turnover um, by the time he got hurt and somebody that can at least give you something with his feet um, can be decent enough throwing the ball I mean I remember when our problem was arguing over Skylar Thompson missing a couple 40 yard bombs by about three inches um, uh, you would definitely take those problems over the problems K-State was having at the end of the year I think Howard was a good case study in like how tough this is even for guys as talented as Rubley because how many kids that are at Rubley's level, four-star quarterback, like in and out of the rivals, 250. I know ESPN's way higher on him, but we'll say a top 150 to 200 quarterback, four-star kid. A lot of those kids go to a lot of middle-tier programs like K-State all over the place, and they're not ready to come in and be a star as a freshman right away. Um, and Listen, he had a he had an offer from the national champions. That's uh, all. He, he, he did, man, but like I don't – so the, the example that I use is Oklahoma State. Um, and why am I blanking on that kid's name? Illingworth? Uh, Shane Illingworth. Um, you know, he played some this year for Spencer Sanders. And, and he, was, he was fine, but that's a kid that was – he had a higher pedigree, recruiting pedigree than, than Rubley. 
he didn't come in and light the world on fire. I mean, he still got unseated by Spencer Sanders, who's kind of a wild ride himself. Um, I just think it's it's asking a lot to think that Rubley would be immediately better for the team next year than Skyler. And you can say, hey, let him develop for the future. It'll be better long term. Yes, there is there is obviously value in that. But the way that this season ended and the questions that are there about the team and the program right now, like the value of stability and, and having at least another, hey, like six or seven win season next year, um, if you can just get back on that kind of a track is, I think there's a lot of value in that just to restore some confidence in where this thing's going. So I think it's really important to have Skyler back. I agree. And I think Skyler is also not chopped liver. I think he's a pretty, pretty good quarterback for the big 12. And he's shown that over, you know, the last three years. Um, so where does this leave Will Howard in your mind with Rubley coming in early, albeit, and Skyler coming back? It's a great question. I, I think the, in fairness to Will, I will say that he did not get anywhere near the level of preparation that a quarterback in his situation would typically get. You know, we're talking about somebody who was here for spring, but obviously didn't get spring football. Then, you know, fall camp, he's, he's not expecting at all to be the starting quarterback. He gets totally thrown into the fire um, as there are all these different things happening around him, um, you know, players transferring, all the drama that happened this year, um, guys, you know, Bradley Moore getting hurt, um, guys being out with COVID, missing his two starting offensive guards when they go to Baylor. Like, there, it's just a lot on the plate of a true freshman. So he did not look good at all the last month and a half of the season. But I don't think it's fair to completely judge him on that. So I will just say I'm going to keep an open mind with that and give him spring football, let him have some time to actually work through some of this stuff and see where it goes. I think it's a great thing to have just an open competition between those three right now heading into next year. I think it'll bring out the best in all of them. And um, am I, did I see enough this year to make me think, hey, he's going to be the quarterback of the future? I did not. Uh, so until I see Jake Rubley like, proved me wrong on that front that he is incapable of that and not ready I'm still going to lean rubly on that um but I think it's also an important caveat to throw in there that like don't judge Will Howard too harshly for the rest of his career just based on this total dog shit situation that he was thrown into this year probably the best perspective to have you know we've seen what Will can do this season with a lot of cards <clears throat> stacked against him and I thought he showed some potential, but, uh, you know, my thought process is he's clearly not. I mean, especially with Skylar coming back, it's not – from what we've seen, it's not enough to say that, you know, he deserves the keys to the program by any means, especially with a guy like uh, Rubley with the pedigree, ped pedigree coming in. I think, you know – and I think he's got some moxie to him, so he's going to really thrive in that um, competitive environment. And that's, that's what we need. We need guys competing for depth. Um, that makes everybody better. So I agree. Um, I know you're not Derek Young, but let's talk a little bit about recruiting uh, before I let you go. Uh, 20 today, was this today? 2022 adds uh, Tyson Struber, 5.53 star wide receiver from Canton Galva, currently ranked as the ninth best player in Kansas. Do you like this commitment from another Kansas kid? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't, I don't think this is, this is obviously not a Rubley level commitment, but I think it's, He's a K-State kind of a guy. I think he's uh, he's a Kansas kid who's athletic enough um, and, and fits the profile. I think of like uh, this has been a discussion among like Derek, who I obviously really trust with his talent evaluation and, and some of the other guys that I talked to that cover the team. 
like Dalton Schoen, I think is the idea here. Like, I think you'd be really happy if you get Dalton Schoen out of this. And like, my God, how, how much take? the state have used Dalton Schoen this past year? <laughs> like just a sure-handed receiver who's going to go out there with the ability to beat people and is, is fast enough and athletic enough. Um, you know, I caution people against like, you know, any Jordy Nelson comparisons being a small town Kansas kid. Like I, I think that's way too heady for him right now, but I think it's the kind of guy that'll do really well at K-State, come in, play on special teams right away um, and hopefully develop over the course of a couple of years and and be ready to go. Like this is a developmental piece with a decent amount of potential. Um, I I wouldn't get too worried about the fact that it's Canton Galvin. It's an eight man team. I mean, that has been a really good program and he's been a stud for a while. So I, I think he belongs um, but I also don't think he's going to be, I mean, he, I don't think he'll have the, the ceiling of a guy like Malik Knowles or anything like that, obviously a receiver, but it's a nice piece. It's a really good class in the state of Kansas. So I also don't think it hurts just to, to land a commitment from one of those kids that's in the top 10 in the state, just to try and get some momentum going with that class. And Hey man, I don't know if this really is the case or what specifically happened here, but I will say Derek himself tweeted um, a warning to recruits about, the fact that in this 2022 class, you're going to have all these seniors that are taking up extra roster spots. So don't wait around and try and play this game of bringing in more offers. If you're a kid right now, your spot could be gone pretty quick based on all the weird roster management that's going to be happening over the next couple of years. So snatch them up now. And then the next day, uh, K-State gets a commit from, from yeah. a Kansas kid. You think, you know, is probably reading that stuff. So I'm, I'm not saying you should credit Derek, but maybe you should credit Derek uh, for, for locking down that commitment. Yeah, I mean, he's 6'3", 190 with 4'4 speed from a small town in Kansas. It's a guy that I think, you know, he will find a way to find a spot on the roster and he'll find ways to get on the field. So I think it's a good get. Um, 2021, 14 and the 17 have signed on the dotted line for K-State. What are your thoughts on this class as a whole? Uh, ranked 50th per rivals. How are, you, how are you feeling about it? Seems all right, you know. I mean, I, I think it's okay. I, I don't think it's anything that's – knocking my socks off, but I, I think it's a positive step in, in particular. I mean, just being able to land a kid of Rubley's caliber, I think the significance of that for the program is uh, pretty high up there because it proves that you can go recruit on a national level, you know, when you have legitimate connections. And I know Taylor Bratt told me, hey, if we, we feel like if we can get a kid on campus, um, we can get basically anybody and they were able to get Rubley on campus. And that happened. Uh, somebody that visited LSU and Michigan and all these different places. Um, so I, I think that's, that sends a message, you know, in the same way that I know we joke about like Josh Freeman and Ron Prince, but that definitely sent a message at the time when he got that commitment. And that's the last time K-State landed somebody of this caliber. So I think that, that can't be understated the importance of that. And I think as far as the rest of the class, like I do, I really do buy into I think K-State is hurt more than a lot of places by the pandemic and not being able to bring kids in to actually see the town and not be able to see games with the crowd and the stadium all filled up because that that's really what you sell a lot of. Like, listen, man, I'm somebody that's been living in Manhattan through a pandemic. Like, it, it ain't that exciting when there's not, you know, college football Saturdays and, like, the town buzzing for, for different sporting events and things like that. Um, and, and that's me as a 31-year-old. You know, I can only imagine what that's like for, like, 17, 18 um year old kids so I think that really worked against them and they had to fight uh, a lot of those things to still sign this class I feel pretty good about it I mean I, I think like RJ Garcia if you want like the, the guys that I feel best about that I'm most excited for I think RJ Garcia could contribute right away receiver from the same high school in Tampa that Josh Youngblood was from 
has worked out with Byron Pringle. In fact, Byron Pringle was the hookup there. He was the one that told Taylor Bratt to, uh, to get after him and start looking into him. Um, and I think he's somebody you might see play right away at receiver next year. And I really like Devontae Pritchard too. Um, like a safety slash line, probably linebacker at, at the next level at K-State um, out of Gardner Edgerton, who's one of the higher uh, recruited kids. And then Andrew, I, I was saying line gang, Derek says lean gang. Um, but I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal offensive lineman. Um, K-State lost Noah Boltikoff who had committed and then went to TCU. And I think they got a better player. I think they certainly feel like they got a better player in Ling Gang who had Stanford coming in after him late. Like he had some major offers as well. So they did some good things, did some good things. Uh, not perfect, but I think considering the circumstances, I, I'd give it B minus perhaps. I'll say B minus, B minus for the class. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's obviously we're working in weird times, but the 50, the 50th doesn't really bother me too much. Um, slight improvement on you know kind of the what we've seen in the past and I'm not look I'm not one to praise Iowa State football program on here often but I think they've shown you know that if they can do it the way that they have done it you know so can we and I believe we can go further than they than they have this season and I mean shit we have gone further than they have we've won Big 12 championships we've gone to you know Fiesta Bowls um but I think you know two pandemics since they won a conference championship yeah and Chris and Chris Kleiman and K State's you know near future. I'm hoping that we can you know when we get our program rolling, we should be shooting for the low 40s or you know bleeding into the 30s as a recruiting as recruiting classes. And I think that that would be you know plenty of a foundation to be successful. I mean, you look at Iowa State's recruiting classes and all of in the in the entirety of Matt Campbell's tenure, and it's like average of 40, 48. I think the way to win at, and I think we can, you know, eventually, I think we can recruit better than Iowa State can. But you look at the way that places like Iowa State, places like K State wins every three and four years, they get big wins in specific positions. They get their Brock Purdy's, they get their Brees Halls, and then they build teams around them. We've got our Jake Rubley, we've got our Deuce Vaughns. Now we build around them. And I think going forward, you know, if you just forget the fact that it's only year two and we had to play through a fucking pandemic, um, I think we'll be all right going forward. But um, if if we are recruiting, you know, what was what was his class last year? 48? Climbing, I want to say. Whatever. It can be done, you know. It can be done recruiting mid-40s. Iowa State's done it, and they've got a damn good team this year. Um, it can be done. Especially, I think, with 2022, the possibility is out there because it's a really good, strong class from the state of Kansas. So that gives you an advantage. You know, if you can go snatch up a decent amount of the top 10 of the state in 2022, that's going to really help boost your class. And I think that's something that they will have to really improve upon moving forward. Because I do think, and I know just from talking to people around the state, like there's a real strong desire from a lot of these Kansas kids that have legitimate other offers to leave the state. Like it's, I think yeah. the, the mood around here right now is, and I get it. I totally get it. Like kids don't really want to stick around. They want to try something else. And K-State has to prove on the field first that this is a really good option to stay here. If you want to get to the NFL, if you want to go compete at the highest level in college football. So you know, I think they need some, they need a really strong class in 2022 and in states, that's where it's going to have to start to try and move that way. I agree. I just want to say real quick, thank God that the bad thing did not happen yesterday. Iowa State winning the Big 12 would have sucked major ass. So 
Um, you had Rubley on your show yesterday, not yesterday, but this past week. Um, tell me a little about your impression of him from speaking with him briefly. Man, really sharp, really sharp. And I'll, I'll say this first too, because I meant to say this about <clears throat> um, Howard when we were talking about Will. Um, both of those guys like are very definitely in just talking to them, like the way they carry themselves, the way they handle themselves, the way they speak, like they have the traits that you would want in a leader and a guy that you build around for the program. Like climate said that multiple times this year about Howard and he's right. Like he is mature beyond his years, like absolutely <clears throat> steps up to the podium when he's doing an interview and like is in command, very calm, very humble, uh, very sharp. Rubley was the same way. Like I, I've talked to, a lot of like high school aged players, um, whether it's doing like high school football broadcasts or actually talking to recruits. And a lot of times I go into it thinking, all right, we're going to tape this interview. Like, I don't want to do any of these live because a lot of times kids are just nervous, shy. They're not ready. They just haven't handled anything like that before. Like Rubley's ready, man. Like that guy gave a great interview, uh, very engaging, very entertaining. Um, also humble, but just carried himself really well pretty charismatic like I, I was very impressed by him so um clearly there's a type that they want at, at quarterback and it's it's a guy that has those kind of traits and intangibles and they've they've definitely found that in Rubley you know I mean I think the talent level of him can be disputed as we've seen like rivals and and ESPN have such a drastic difference in where they actually uh put him but he's got the intangible part of being a quarterback down it would seem all right, now that the dust has settled, last question, um, and we can look forward to 2021 season. What's your general consensus on how um, the program is sitting going forward? Man, I mean, as far as like what I expect specifically from 2021, I still feel like there's a lot that needs to play out for me to know exactly, to, to formulate a better opinion on like what my expectation for next year would be. But I think like, you know, from a big picture sense, which is probably what people care about more here because there's been a lot of talk about you know the transfers in the locker room and what's going on I do I, I don't think that this year was just nothing I don't think it's fair to just give a total free pass and say hey none of that matters um you did have I mean what's it up to 13 or 14 transfers by this point in time it's a lot um I think they definitely were hurt by the fact that they were not able to meet I mean a kid couldn't even go to Chris Kleiman's office just to meet with him one-on-one -on -one throughout the season, for instance, if he had an issue because of the COVID restrictions, they only were able to meet once the entire year. I was told it was like a, a whole big team um, because it was just too difficult to really manage a lot of that stuff because of the COVID restrictions. So you weren't able to develop relationships with players and that's what climate is all about. So I'm going to give them a pass on some of that, but not a total pass. I mean, it's enough to make me, I was gung-ho all in when Chris Kleiman signed the extension um, right after the Oklahoma game this fall. thought it was a great move. Hey, you're married, him, married to him for a long time because of the money, the financial commitment there. I'm now backed off and saying, all right, we need to see where this is going. We need to see how this continues to, to move forward. Um, so I think it's in an okay spot, but they really do need a bounce back year, not just from, uh, wins and losses on the field, but from just a better vibe and guys not jumping ship mid-season, even though you can now leave penalty free, we'll see how much of a trend that is in college football. But, you know, I'm somewhere in between. I'm certainly not melting down about it. I still believe in climate system long-term, but I do think that this year definitely stunted the growth of what they're trying to do with the program. A lot of that out of their control, but it doesn't really matter at this point. This is a results-based business and, and you're going to have to figure it out one way or another. So if that means 
cracking the whip more, so to speak, like instilling, you know, being a little bit harder on guys, not as hands off as maybe they were um, going into all of this, then, hey, you got to adjust and, and make that kind of adjustment to make sure that the locker room culture stays the way that you want it to. But I think they feel like they're in a better spot with that now based on some of the attrition that's happened. And uh, I would say into the day, like you got to hope that you're just back to a six or seven win season playing in a bowl and then feel good about the future that you have with like Deuce and Rubley, whoever it's going to be after Skyler. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's all we have for you on this Monday morning show. John, thanks for coming on. Always good to talk with you. Um, tell the people where to find you, where to hear you, where to watch you. Yeah, well, I'd appreciate it if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, just John Kurtz on YouTube. Uh, you can also find my podcast. I've got the Faithful to Our Colors podcast, which is like a once a week slash sometimes once every other week um, podcast on uh, the radio.com app or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you do uh, listen to your, your podcast, you can find Faithful to Our Colors there. That's more of just a summation of everything that's going on. But if you want everyday nitty gritty what's going on Monday through Friday, I do a two-hour radio show in Manhattan called The Game. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just search The Game, KMAN. You can follow me on Twitter at J.L. Kurtz as well if you want, uh, like, minute by minute. I love it. John, thanks for coming on the show. We always appreciate your insight. We appreciate your company. You heard the man. Check him out at J.L. Kurtz on Twitter, at Faithful to Our Colors podcast on any platform that hosts podcasts. And go subscribe to his page on YouTube, John Kurtz, and give the man some extra likes that he deserves. Um, head to manscaped.com using... Promo code capital armchair to get 20% off and free shipping and head to benonline.ag with the same promo code capital armchair to take advantage of all of their great benefits. Folks, Scott and I will be back this week with a drunk Q&A, uh, Christmas themed, so please send in as many questions as you possibly can using the promo code, or not the promo code, the hashtag AskBosco. And uh, just keep them coming. Flow them in. We like all the questions that you guys send in, so give, me as, give us as many as you can. Happy holiday seasons to everyone, and meet me at the cat. Somewhere between psychotic and iconic. Somewhere between I want it and I got it. Somewhere between I'm sober and I'm lifted Somewhere between a mistress and commitment But I stay down, girl I always stay down Get down, never lay down Promise to break everybody out before I break down Everyone just wait now, so much on my plate now People I believed in, they don't even show their face now What they got to say now, nothing they can say now Nothing really changed, but still they look at me away now What more can I say now, what more can I say now You might feel like nothing was the same I still been drinking on the low, mobbing on the low, fucking on the low, smoking on the low. I still been plotting on the low, scheming on the low. The farthest thing from perfect, like everyone I know. I just been drinking on the low, mobbing on the low, fucking on the low, smoking on the low. I just been plotting on the low, scheming on the low. The farthest thing from perfect, like everyone I know. And I hate that you don't think I belong to you 
Just too busy running shit to run home to you. You know that paper, my passion. Bittersweet celebrations. I know I can't change what happened. I can't help it, I can't help it. I was young and I was selfish. I made every woman feel like she was mine and no one else. And now you hate me. Stop pretending, stop that fronting. I can't take it. Girl, don't treat me like a stranger. Girl, you know I seen you naked. Girl, you know that I remember. Don't be a pretender. Getting high at the condo. That's when it all comes together. You know. I stay reminiscing and make up sex is tradition But you been missing, girl, and you might feel like nothing was the same I still been drinking on the low Mobbing on the low Fucking on the low Smoking on the low I still been plotting on the low Scheming on the low The furthest thing from perfect Like everyone I know I just been drinking on the low Mobbing on the low Fucking on the low Smoking on the low I just been plotting on the low Scheming on the low The farthest thing from perfect Like everyone I know Drinking, smoking, fucking, plotting, scheming Plotting, scheming, get money, drinking, fucking, smoking, plotting, scheming, plotting, scheming, get money. Uh, this the life for me. My mama told me this was right for me. I got them worried, like, make sure you save a slice for me. I should have a spoon serve you up with a fork and knife for me. Your actions make us doubt you. Your lack of effort got me rapping different. This the shit I wanna go out to Play this shit at my funeral if they catch me slipping Naked women swimming, that's just how I'm living Donate a million and some children, that's just how I'm feeling A nigga filling up arenas, who the fuck will see us? I had to Derrick Rose the knee up before I got the re-up Yours truly the boy I just build and build more, y'all niggas build and destroy Y'all niggas party too much, man, I just chill and record No filler, you feel it now if you ain't feel it before Yes, Lord, this is shit I wanna go out to Yeah, yeah, this is shit I wanna go out to Podcast Network.